I'm Jock Wilson. And I'm Dave Rowe. Welcome to another edition of the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. We are going to take you into the locker room, and we are going to share some legendary tales with the guy who lived that locker room, former Stampeder Scott Coe. Oh, Scotty's got some stories to oh, yeah. tell, Mr. Rowe. You know that uh, very, very well. Uh, let, let's talk quickly about the, the current edition of the Calgary Stampeders. If we're talking personalities, uh, who do you think is the biggest personality on this team? Well, you know, actually, I was thinking about that uh, just before we got started here, and I think some of the personalities on this team have yet to emerge because there was so much turnover on the team this year. Some of the big, big personalities, you know, guys like, you know, Charleston Hughes, you know, moved moved along. You know, the guy, whenever you wanted a crazy comment, you know, you stuck a microphone in Charleston Hughes' uh, Hughes's face. Uh, I was talking to uh, DeVaris Daniels last week about the receiving core. And, you know, comparing it to sort of the Jermaine Copeland, Nick Lewis era, mm-hmm. talent-wise, those guys are there. But uh, flamboyance-wise, they're not there yet. But uh, there, there's <laughs> going to be some characters that emerge on this team. I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell has got a, a, a pretty strong personality. You know, and a good little chip on his shoulder and yeah, a good confidence level. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, uh, who do you see as well, some of the big guys? you know, I, I think Derek Dennis, obviously. Yeah. You know, Derek Dennis because of the hair. But we're going to hear from Scotty Coe earlier. Scotty Coe did the hair a long, long time ago. Oh, well, yeah. Well before the Derek, uh, you know, Dennis era. I, I, I think you're right about Bo Levi Mitchell. You know, you, you can probably throw Alex Singleton into the mix a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, the guy that, that had the biggest personality, in my opinion, but now he's part of the coaching staff, is Josh Bell. Yeah. You know, because with the war paint and everything last year, I thought he was one of those bigger-than-life personalities in the dressing room. And let's not forget about uh, Devon Claybrooks, either, who was uh, as big a personality well, right. as he is a man. I mean, both uh, when he was on the defensive line and now as the defensive coordinator on this team as well. well. The one thing, you know, the fans don't get to see, and, and we really we don't get to see it either, because, you know, the dressing room is sort of a sacred ground. But it is fun talking to former players who have lived it, who have been there, and are willing to share some stories. And one of those guys that is willing to share some stories with us today on the Calgary Stampeder Podcast is Scott Coe. From CFL Wild Man to Calgary Family Man on the Calgary Stampeder Podcast, it's a real pleasure to be joined by Scott Coe as we're going to tell some legendary tales from the dressing room. Mr. Coe, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm doing very well, Jocko. And as you mentioned, let me tell you, normally I put you off for two or three days because I'm out having a couple of cold pints with the boys. But <laughs> now I put you off because i got to put kids to bed and make dinner and pick up family from the airport. Times have changed, my friend. Who would have thought 10 years ago, oh, 10 geez. years ago, you were a crazy man. And now you are, as I say, a family man. That's a nice transition. I know. I, know. I, I hate to say, don't remind me, but I have to admit, I, <laughs> I certainly love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I do want you to tell a few stories from the, from your, from your playing <laughs> days, because there are so many great stories. First of all, you know, you were, you were known, you know, forget about Derek Dennis, the Calgary Stampeders. You know, he, he's getting all this love right now and all the props for, for basically coloring his hair. You started that trend here in Calgary. Uh, t- <laughs> t- tell us, you know, blue, red, pink, green, bleached, blonde. I don't even know what your natural hair color is. <laughs> Not many people did back when I played, let me tell you. <laughs> well, it's funny. It started, I I was a rookie in Hamilton, and uh, there was myself and another rookie named Tony Miles. He was a punt returner for the Ticats, and we roomed together, and we uh, I, I dyed my hair blonde. And the coaches, said, what are you doing? And, and my roommate, Tony, did the same thing. We were, They called us salt and pepper. And, you know, we had dyed hair blonde. And what are you doing, right? And 
my coach at the time says, change that. You know, that's ridiculous. You're a professional. Don't do that stuff. So I did, you know, I changed it back, you know, thinking I better be good. Otherwise I'm going to lose my job. Well, I, I come to Calgary and I'm, I'm straight edge, right? I got, you know, there's no die, no nothing. And of course it's with Matt Dunnigan as our coach, Miles Gorell GM. And everybody's kind of going, who, you know, who is this guy? This isn't the wild guy that we thought we, you know, got from Calgary. We wanted the personality and I came in all straight edge. Well, after that, when they gave me the okay to do it, it was long hair, it was dyed blonde, it was half my head red, half my head white, blonde with red tips. You know, my, my hairstylist, she, she got to be very creative with my hair. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What, what, what was your favorite do? Well, I really liked, uh, I had it like almost like a fire engine red at the time. And when my hair was really, really long, it was tougher to get all that concentrate red. So I shortened it up just slightly, and it, was, uh, it wasn't quite shoulder length anymore, and it was true dark, dark fire engine red, and I, I really liked that one. I think it was uh, – I, I like that one the best, that's for sure. You're a very strong individual, so even though the guys, I'm sure, gave you a hard time every once in a while, you, just, you were like a duck. I probably just rolled off your back, did it? I, uh, I I was pretty quick at getting back at them. No matter sure. what they said to me, I was usually pretty quick with my tongue to whip back at them, <laughs> whatever their faults might be. Uh, there are some stories that, that I want you to share with us. And, and, and again, you can you can tell and you can edit as much as you want here, okay? Uh, <laughs> okay. You, you took a lot of dares from your teammates. Uh, can you share some of those stories? Absolutely. It's, it's funny you say that because I... Uh, I'm emceeing my cousin's wedding, and uh, one of the questions she had on this questionnaire she wanted all of us to ask was a fun fact about me. Well, one of the fun facts, which is like one of your questions, some of the dares that I took on, uh, we're sitting in the middle of training camp. I think it was 2004, and we're in between two-a-days, and we we shortened down the gap between two-a-days just so we didn't go home and relax and rest and come back. We kind of did them almost back-to-back. But we had about 45 minutes in between practice, and we're sitting around and we're bored. And, you know, what are we going to do? It's day five into training camp, and let's spice things up a bit. So, one of the guys, Jeff Pilon, Jeff Pilon's a big, you know, six foot seven offensive lineman, size 15 feet, uh, you know, and, and we're all sitting around, and he, he dares me to take this foot cream, like a fungus cream, <laughs> put it on Jay McNeil's foot and lick it all off from his heel of his foot all the way to his big toe. <laughs> foot covered in, you know, basically this nasty white athletic foot cream. Um, so, of course, we had to double-check with Pat Clayton, you know, our head therapist, if, it, if I could eat it, first off. Uh, Pat gave us the okay. He wasn't sure why the question was being asked, but we put it all over Jay's foot, and I grabbed the bottom of Jay's foot, and my tongue out, and I licked it from heel to toe while Pilon gets up out of his locker and pukes his guts out and <laughs> thinks it's the most disgusting thing he's ever seen. I think I did it for about $43. Oh my A couple goodness. of bucks in the middle of the locker room. So that was kind of the, the one of the start of it for me with some of the boys. You know, it, it's funny. Remind me of the Caddyshack movie. That kid will eat anything. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, had a, I ate a live cricket. A live cricket? Oh, you got to tell me that story. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, there. Well, there was one cricket that I ate. We were in practice, and you know, was hopping around the field, and nobody thought they'd do it. You know, caught it. And I said, "Well, you got to eat that. That's a delicacy here." You know, all the Americans they they're kind of fancy. They don't they don't think us too much of us Canadians. They thought we we're a little wild, a little loose, few loose screws up and upstairs. 
So we said, no, this is a delicacy here in Canada. Crickets are fantastic. You pay big money for it. So I grabbed it and I ate it in front of them and they lost their mind. They had no clue what was going on. So, you know, the next step to that was the punter, Duncan Mahoney had, they found a beetle in his locker. So they took it and they kept it in this cup for a while and they dared me to eat it. So I was collecting cash, collecting cash to kind of up the ante if I was going to eat this thing. And right before we're going out to practice, the boy said, all right, here's the time. We, I think they had like 300, 350 bucks, and I was going to eat this beetle. Uh, I didn't do it. Coaches kind of pushed us and hurried us up to get out. Well, Duncan, later in the middle of practice, because he's a punter and he doesn't really join us in practice, he goes into the locker room and Googles what he thinks this beetle looks like. And it ended up being a beetle that uh, stuns its prey with a poisonous venom. And oh, no. It. So it was better that I didn't eat this thing. Otherwise, I might be in the hospital or no longer telling this story. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, Scott Coe, do you think the players today have as much fun as you did back in the day? Huh. I, I don't think anybody had as much fun as I did back at <laughs> any point in anybody's career. That being said, you know what? I hope they do. You know, I hope the guys realize that, you know, this is – and it's tough to think about it this way when you're in it, but this is a job. You know, unfortunately it's not a career. We're not in the NFL. We're not getting paid millions of dollars that you can retire on potentially and never work again. The CFL is truly a Canadian game that you have to enjoy playing. And I really hope the guys see that and have fun when they do it. Uh, and I think they do. I think every, every locker room still has a, a good bunch of, you know, loose guys that enjoy having fun. And I hopefully the rest of the guys in the locker room enjoy that. And it's, it's not all business. Uh, that being said, you know, Dickie was a guy that really enjoyed playing football. He had his serious moments playing against them and, and, you know, enjoying a pint or two afterwards. So I think he'd let the guys have yeah. some fun and, and I hope they do. I, I I think they do. Probably not as much fun as you had, but that's another story altogether. Okay, there's another... Right. Legend- we push the limits. We push yes. the limits beyond belief. Exactly. There's another legendary Scott Coe story, and, and I hope you can share it with me. Uh, you once partied like a rock star. Well, you were with a rock star. <laughs> Maybe you better explain. <laughs> we uh, we had just finished a game against... I think it was Montreal was in town. And it was a home game, and... We were heading out to the bar. We went out to Cowboys, legendary Cowboys bar. And standing at the bar, we're, we're just walking in. And as you had said, I, I partied quite a bit. So I got to know all the staff at all the bars. And we never waited in line. We were able to get right in. And if there was a VIP area, we were always allowed entrance in the VIP area. So uh, myself, uh, I was with a number of cheerleaders at the time. And we sauntered into Cowboys and walked up to the bar and there was a private area. We walked into the private area and two people down bellied up to the bar was Chad Kruger from Nickelback. Oh, that's great. So, uh, of course, knowing the bartenders, knowing staff, I sent a couple of shots down to him and said, you know, this is from the Stampeders. He's an Alberta boy from Hannah. And, uh, you know, here you go. He, you know, came down, thanks, thanked me for the shot, bought a couple himself and we got to talking and, you know, I had my wild red hair and, was a bit of a wild man, obviously, and he picked up on that. And we just started swapping stories about, you know, being a professional football player and being a rock star and joking around and continue to drink um, to a little bit of an excess, if you will. And ended up later in the night, we we almost, well, we did close down Cowboys about 4 a.m. We moved upstairs. I was arm wrestling guys. He was putting money down, betting. We had, you know, 
bottles of vodka being passed around and the night was going to end when he said, well, let's get in the plane and fly down to Vegas. And I thought, you know what, Chad, I'd, I'd love to go to Vegas with you, but I have to go to practice tomorrow morning. Uh, I don't want to be fired. I don't want to miss this. So he said, well, you know, are you sure? Like, I'll pay your fine. I'll do whatever. I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my job if I go down there. So not going to be a good idea. So we didn't go to Vegas. His airplane was on the tarmac, was ready to go. We ended up jumping a limo and hanging out at Denny's restaurant <laughs> for about two hours, trying to get a milkshake and food. And we ended up taking his limousine back to his hotel. And I said, well, I got to get, to pra- I literally had to go to practice. So he said, well, listen, take the limo, take it to practice and uh, we'll catch up next time. And I did. I took the limo, went right into practice, showed up to in the locker room with, with the limousine and, uh, and off we went. Oh, the guys must have loved that. You showing up in the limo. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, as you said, it it still gets talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Legendary Tales from the Dressing Room with Scott Coe. Oh man, just to live in some of those stories with uh, with Scott Coe. I mean, unfortunately for Scotty, uh, you know, he had to end up as an as an Edmonton Eskimo. And oh. I remember we got together uh, at Spalumbo's when he decided to hang him up and uh, did sort of a little retirement interview. And he just said, "Yeah, the green and gold, it just." Never quite felt right. And a lot of these guys, you know, once they leave this room, you know, they, they move on to other teams, but uh, it just doesn't quite feel right. Well, we're going to have to talk to Randy Chevry about that, too, because he had to end his career with the Saskatchewan mm. Rough Riders, and that's uh, never a fun thing. Although no. he was, uh, you know, he was trying to hang on. I, I look back at the Calgary Stampeders over the years, and, and you've been here a long time, Dave, and I've yeah. been here a long time. We've, You know, and, and I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm biased towards the Canadian Football League because these guys are bigger-than-life personalities. You know, you get to know them a little bit better than maybe the professional hockey players that are in the city mm-hmm. uh, because they, they are out there. And I, I, I look back over my time, and, and I guess you can go all the way back to, uh, you know, and I've, I've been here since the since the early 80s. So, you know, we can talk about guys like Jermaine Copeland. We can talk about guys like Nick Lewis and, you know, Henry Burris, you know, was, was outstanding. The smile, the uh, never-stopping smile. Exactly. You know, Bruce Covington, Tuna, you know, yeah. still in the city, still, a, you know, a big part. I thought he was a bigger-than-life, uh, you know, personality. Marvin Pope, Big Daddy. Yeah. You know, I I think there's another guy that... Uh, Alondra Johnson, another one of those guys who is just uh, larger than life. But sort of at the, at the other end of the scale, a guy who's, uh, you know, who had just such a memorable personality because, you know, he wasn't out there and he wasn't larger than life was, uh, was Alan Pitts. Alan Pitts. Alan Pitts, you know, just a guy who was impossible. To, to, to get to know. I mean, I remember I had to uh, I had to do a sit-down one-on-one interview with Alan for a, a magazine I was freelancing for. And I was actually a little, a little scared sitting down with this intense, <laughs> intense guy. But I, again, just like sort of for the not being that over-the-top flamboyant kind of guy. I, I'll always remember Alan Pitts. I remember late 80s when there was the singing quarterback in town, Tom Porras, and uh, he ended up getting arrested for sexual misconduct, uh, you know, a situation with a student, which is not a, a good story. Rick Johnson. Remember Rick Johnson? Oh, yeah. Rick Johnson. The acting quarterback. The, the acting quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he was here, I believe, from 85 to uh, to 88, and and he really did. He, you know, football was sort of a sidebar for him. He really wanted to become an actor. I think he did get a small role in, in Jerry Maguire, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I think he did become a director, so he... Uh, I don't know how successful his acting career became. Yeah, back but... then, the football wasn't too memorable, <laughs> oh, so you no. needed a couple of characters on that uh, team. Th- that is that is very true. But you know, you know what's really sad? 
I think some of the biggest personalities were probably from the ownership group. Oh yeah, you, it, you know, uh, because Fred Fateri. Fred, <laughs> well, it, well, Fred Fateri was he was part of the management team, yeah. but he worked with Michael Federick, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, the F uh, the F troop as they they were called. But Larry Rickman, Larry, Larry Rickman, L- Larry Rickman. You know, hey, love him or hate him. You know, he did he did save the team, and then he also got the team in, you know, financial trouble as well. Uh, but I, I still remember the Grey Cup parties that uh, Larry Rickman it's held. It's the 50th anniversary <laughs> of the Calgary Tower, and my Calgary Tower memory is that 19, and it's a bit of a foggy memory, yeah. is that 1993 Grey Cup party oh, yes. where the booze flowed faster than water, and Larry was just treating us all like kings up there, and... We didn't know that no one was getting paid. No, I, I think that's exactly right. You know, and, and then you're talking about ownership group. You know, Sig Gucci, who was, you know, he, he really did care about the team and I think did a lot of good things for the organization. Ted was just such a was just such a yeah. quiet, unassuming guy. He just, you know, he'd just come in through one of the regular spectator gates and just quietly sit mm-hmm. in his regular seats. You know, no owner's box for that guy. No, I, I agree. I, I still think, though, if I if I have to say who is the most flamboyant Calgary Stampeder I ever met, and just because it, it just will never leave me, it was Jermaine Copeland. Jermaine Copeland, when he was introduced as a member of the Calgary Stampeders, Tom Higgins brings him in, and he comes in in the white suit, oh, and just, I'm going... No one could wear a suit and a <laughs> pair of shoes like Jermaine Copeland. And, of course, he took uh, Nick Lewis under his wing, and yep. he became a little cope, and uh, I still remember uh, on the radio show, Mark Stephen and I were hosting a sports talk, and, you know, we had the uh, Coping with Nick show, and it was it was some sort of radio that you had never heard in your life, and it wasn't for everybody, but it was uh, it was very, very interesting. Just turn on the recorder and yep. let him go. And, and then you go to personalities with coaches, you know. Yeah. Were you here with Jack Goda? I no, I missed uh, the you Jack Goda, okay. uh, Larry Kaharik. Uh, oh, I was fortunate Larry, enough oh, to miss Larry. Yeah. Oh, I see. I yeah, uh, Larry Kaharik tried <laughs> Lucky to beat me. me up. Yes, you were very fortunate. I had to live through a uh, coach Q and uh, Jack Goda. I remember Jack Goda because his uh, his uh, when he when he was fired, his final news conference. He went on with his closing statement, probably for like only as Jack can talk. It felt like three hours. I think it was only an hour, but it went on and on and on. And I still have a headache. And hey, who, who could forget Matt Dunnigan as, oh, yeah. a, as a head coach? <laughs> the personalities. There's so many of them, you know, with this uh, football club. Again, we could do a whole bunch of episodes just on that. By the way, thanks to Scott Coe. Some legendary tales from the dressing room uh, with former Calgary Stampeder uh, Scott Coe today. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Stampeder podcast. Uh, Jock Wilson, Dave Rowe. If you like the show, please take a few minutes to rate it. Please leave a comment if you can. If you really like it, tell a friend. The more that listen, the more that download it, the better it is for the show. We have a new show and a new topic every single week. And of course, you can find us at all your favorite podcast locations, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and our website as well. Global News Radio, 770 CHQR.